Welcome to this Lucky Things podcast. Lucky Things is all about looking after our confidence, careers and well-being. And we've got a lovely conversation for you guys to listen to. It's with Nadira Passard, who is a celebrity makeup artist. She also consults with individuals and she's been in her field for over 20 years now, where she has been working in TV, media, magazines and much more. We talk about lots to do with her career, but we also talk about her amazing book, face workouts for beginners so expect lots of handy tricks in terms of looking after yourselves and things that we can all do for ourselves especially in such an unusual year this was recorded in october 2020 enjoy is a really exciting podcast episode because I am speaking to Nadira Passard, Nadira V Passard, who is a beauty and makeup artist. And the great thing is that I worked with Nadira over 20 years ago when I basically started my career in fashion and modeling. And it was so lovely because I actually got to know Nadira as well quite well at that time and then we reconnected many years later and so it's really lovely speaking to you today Nadira. So how are you doing today? How's your week going? I'm good, it's been a very productive week I have to say. It's been busy with work, I've done some shoots um, which has been lovely to be in that creative space again Um, and um, yeah just lots happening and lots of um, online sessions coming up beauty sessions so a really nice mix it's been great it's lovely oh wonderful and to tell people um i always think sometimes it's better when you just introduce yourself so how how do you talk about your work Nadira? if you just want to tell everyone what you do and and what you mean by shoots and online sessions okay so yeah i'm a makeup artist predominantly and i have always done a real variety of work so it's photo shoots for magazines or book covers I also do tv commercials um, because my training was quite varied it's film tv and theatre um, uh, course that I did so that covered a lot so I've I've been so lucky to be able to dip into lots of other areas as well so I've got a real interest in beauty products so I give a lot of um, expert advice on skincare also do brand consultancy for Mm. beauty brands and they tend to be small very niche British brands and Mm. help them on their way um, because I also do private clients and that helps those beauty brands really understand that connection between um, the brand and the customer and what the customer wants. So I'm sort of, I can do a 360 of a brand and um, give them advice about customer needs and wants. So, um, and then also I'm an author. 
yes <laughs> of my yes. book yeah. um face workout yeah. for beginners yeah was it february 2020 yes it was yeah. oh it's amazing i've got it here actually at my desk so obviously people can't see see this but you might be able to hear it if i flick it but <laughs> it well, it's a beautifully yeah. illustrated book and, you know, so everything's nice to easy, to, <laughs> yeah, easy to follow. Um, it's not too wordy. It's just very much to the point. There's a, yeah. It's very clear on what the benefits are of each exercise, how long you'd and repeat press them. Here, press here, face workouts for beginners. Yes. And then your strap line is pressure techniques to tone and define naturally. And I think how I sum this up to my friends uh, is basically, you know, it's like a face massage that you can do yourself and it really doesn't take much to do it. So you can literally do it wherever you are. Yeah. And the impact of it is just amazing. And there's just like so many different exercises that I use depending on what's going on or, you know, how I'm feeling and it's amazing it's such a lovely book so yeah so how so how's how does it feel being an author do you feel any different Adira <laughs> I, do you know it's that moment when someone calls you a published author it's like what my English teacher might be like having a freak out by that because I, I'm not naturally you know I'm not naturally a born writer and obviously I've, I've written about beauty for years but I suppose it's it's that typical thing that people say is look if you if you know your subject you'll be able yeah. to deliver on that and uh, be able to explain well and in depth so um yeah I'm very proud of the fact that I'm an author it's a nice title to have yeah no that's great and how did you then start in your career in the beauty and makeup industry and obviously you know tv you said you know you I mean, I always think of you like when I, um, if I go into the supermarket on a Sunday and then I buy my newspaper sometimes on a Sunday and then I always kind of think, oh, you know, I bet Madeira's probably done one of the front covers this week. In the Sunday newspapers or the Saturday newspapers, so I always think of you. But how did you, how did that all start for you in terms of your career? Oh. I like... Over 25? Yeah, over 25 years. Um, gosh, well, because I come from an, from an art background, it that's why I managed to get on my course at the London College of Fashion. And it was a two-year course. So it's very, you know, theatre, film and TV covers a lot. You cover yeah. history, you cover art, you cover as well as the application part of things and beauty... Um, beauty techniques and uh, cosmetic science so but in terms of getting out there finding the work I had no connections whatsoever starting wow. out so that was that took an awful lot of time because also I didn't have the confidence to sell myself I initially thought well you have a portfolio and you go and just get the work from your portfolio um, yeah. a lot of it takes it takes a lot more than that. It takes a lot of personality. It takes uh, a lot of confidence. Mm. It takes a real, real dedication and commitment um, for quite a few years. Um, but then because of my training and because my head was thinking, well, I've 
pretty much I've got, just got to be prepared to do anything and think on the spot. I took on lots of varied jobs. So sometimes I do, like I said, doing TV commercials is very different from doing a photo shoot and especially yeah. a photo yeah. shoot for a magazine where you've got a brief, you have a mood board, there's, you're working to someone else's vision and you have yeah. to create that. So, um, and those sides of things and also the business side, I really like. Um, I like the whole, you know, working with a team, working on an idea and um, yeah, just, I can't even remember your question. I started, oh my gosh, it was, it's a hard yeah. slog because you've, you know, back in the day, that was the early nineties, I had to go on foot a lot yeah. and <laughs> yes, to I do go sees and to make have oh, all these appointments and I remember used to go to um one of explain to what go sees are go are meeting a potential client that they might consider you for a job if there is yeah. one and you just the thing is you almost have to aim to irritate people and constantly be on their backs and back in the day it wasn't about emails and things like that you were make, no. trying to make appointments, you were cold calling, you were d creating business cards. I was very big on my business cards, so there'd be something that would be a visual that would remind them about me. Um, mm. But sometimes I'd make appointments at big publishing houses and make appointments at all the magazines and do a, almost a whole day doing appointments. Some people would show up, some wouldn't. Some yeah. people would absolutely forget that they were going to see you it's just a really it it it's a it's a process that really easily knocks your confidence yes there's a lot yeah. of rejection yeah. there it's not yeah. about you know and I don't believe in having a big break it takes a lot of time and it can be a slow burn but it's a lot of little breaks it's a lot yeah. of those opportunities that you might even not recognize are an opportunity um, and then all of a sudden, you're you're achieving those jobs that you've always wanted to do, and it's just purely by connection. My my job predominantly is about the connections and contacts. Right. Yeah, and I totally get that because I can remember. Obviously, we were on. Whether we whether it sounds a bit cheesy, but we were on the different sides of the camera. Yeah. I remember that slog when I was working, even when I had like one of the world's best modeling agencies kind of like behind you and backing yeah. you. I mean, I was at IMG and just, yeah, those go sees, which I kind of like nicknamed basically like begging for work. And I remember, you know, the, the main reason why I basically know how to get around London on foot and buy a car is because I used to probably just yeah, trek around like I don't know like maybe Trust. like 10 20 appointments a day sometimes yeah um if you're lucky as well because again like not everyone would make an appointment with you unless they were really they really thought you had potential especially as a model um or you could fit in with their brand or what they're trying to achieve creatively but I remember that slog and actually I was going to ask you about 
one of the downsides of your career but I think you've touched on it already and that's rejection yeah and for a lot of people at the moment whether they are in their kind of day job or they're running a business or they're thinking of starting something or they're working on what people call their side hustle I like to call it side projects and you know rejection is actually a really important thing to get your head around and it's I you know I do coach people on rejection in terms of like how they can keep going with their okay. plan but how did you get around that Nadira because I remember how rejection impacted me and I just want to know like from your perspective how did you find that and how did you navigate that I think that what I found in the industry is everyone would tell you the negatives and, you know, or even to the point of criticism, but they weren't very good at constructive criticism. And that's all it really takes yeah. is to get some feedback. I don't just need someone to, you know, sometimes I remember people just looking through your portfolio, not speaking to you, putting it down and then just leaving and yeah. i think the industry and people individuals should be more responsible than that i certainly am as i've gone through because i start mentoring uh, assistants and and people interested in the industry and i think oh, i have a responsibility sorry beauty and makeup assistants or just yeah you know. no yeah makeup assistants but you have a responsibility and that feedback is is so important. How are you ever going to learn otherwise? So it was it was very rare, but it would happen occasionally. You'd get might get a photographer that would say, "Look, maybe if you did this, maybe if you put this image at the beginning, or take this out, or work on an image that really reflects your style a lot more." And trying it, sometimes, you know, when you're starting out. You don't really know what your style is or what you want to <laughs> what to say or, or in terms of having a signature style but it's so it's really important to hone in on things like that so it's just being guided like that just being given that little bit of information okay i can take away something that was constructive because the industry is expecting something from me but i'm not i haven't fully understood what it is yet you know so so constructive criticism I also began to ask more as well rather than thinking oh I you know there's a real hierarchy in this business it's it's evening out a bit more now maybe because I've got older and I've got the experience but you always feel that you're always sort of underneath your I mean makeup artists are at the bottom of the call sheet. <laughs> so, yeah. so and can you explain that as well because that is so interesting. Like in terms of the hierarchy, especially like back in the day in the nineties and early two yeah. thousands. So, what would have been that hierarchy? Because I'm sure people would love to know that. I want to know the ins and outs of like oh, actually like on a <laughs> on a photo shoot. It's definitely the photographer ruled. But then sometimes if you had an art director there as well then um, they'd definitely be, you know, way above you. Um, and yeah, hair and makeup was, is just, sometimes you felt like you're just fulfilling, you're not really working as a team and you're just in for your service 
and that's it. Because sometimes some photographers used to just call me makeup and they wouldn't get to know my name. Yeah. They wouldn't be interested in that. And that's a very old school way of working. Um, it's not like that now. There's definitely this feeling that you're working as a team and it's inclusive and, you know, we're all going to do this together, which is really nice. And, and we all have, we can all maybe even add um, suggestions as well. And it's really nice to be asked what I think on a shoot because that never used to happen. Um, but obviously that comes with experience. But at the end of the day, if someone's booked me, they've booked me because uh, of my, not only the level of work, but the my personality as well, and the energy that I'll bring to a shoot. So I think that's a nice compliment. And it, in a way, that's kind of like a nice career aim, isn't it? For people to want to work with you, not just because of your technical ability or your skills, your expertise or what you can actually deliver, but actually because of you. Yeah. And that actually reminds me of something that actually like one of my friends who um, I used to work with and now she's like the HRD of the firm that I used to work at, which is amazing. And she actually said to me when I was working at another firm once, she said, um, another organisation, she said, you know, but can you really be yourself? there Sunita and that actually popped into my head today as well because I I think um, somebody had posted on social media about how it's important to be yourself at work right that's a tricky one yeah (laughs) that's really tricky though though, I think what I've learned as I've got older it's it's almost like you're on there's a volume setting so I need to be maybe I need to I have to it's appropriate to turn certain things down in my personality at work because it's also not about me and I'm in someone's personal space and I have to respect um, the shoot in terms of there's a job to be done. There's um, sort of goal to be reached. There's, and we have to get results. Um, So you're, you, so in terms of work, I'd say I'd just, Put it down a few levels and then when it's when it's really me in my space my environment with my um my private life i can turn it down or turn it up if i want yeah that makes sense (laughs) i think there's so many professions like not just the media or creative industries if you think about like all kinds of different professions whether you're into corporate or you know it could be anything you know there is this thing of like how much of yourself do you bring to work and you're right you you have to be quite focused so I always remember with um photo shoots or tv filming as well that the timings were very strict yeah time is funny basically everyone was there on a mission um, and everyone just had to do what they were told because otherwise something would be offset. So, yeah. um, no, that's so interesting. And you you talked about feedback. So recently, what's one of the loveliest pieces of feedback that you've received? Because I'm, you know, you know lucky things quite well and I'm a big supporter of people accepting compliments and accepting positive feedback on their work or on their skills. So can you... 
Tell oh. us about some really lovely feedback that you've received on your work recently. Um, yeah, the, the, I did some shoots this week with um, some doing some book covers. And you never know what, you know, even if they're famous people, they're talent, but you don't know if they're in a good place or not. You don't know whether they're nervous. Uh, but it was really nice to be told that I made someone feel really comfortable and made them feel good. And that's sort of, that's sort of my go-to thing. It's not only about looking good, but it's about feeling good as well. So that, that was huge to me. And it's, my job is also, I'm getting someone ready um, and I'm in their personal space, but if they're, you know, if you can take the nerves away for them and make them feel comfortable and, and comfortable enough to be on set and just feel ready. And I'm trying to think about when we actually met Nadir, because obviously it's quite a long time ago, it's over 20 years ago. I remember I did a fashion show, which was basically profiling South Asian creatives and fashion designers at the Whitechapel Gallery. Yeah. And I remember if that was the first time you did my makeup, or if it was when we did a shoot. I'm wondering if you, I'm sure you did the makeup for when I was in the, I think it was either the Independent or the Observer, and we did a shoot with photographer Gavin Fernandez. Yes. So, yes, I think it was definitely through Gavin, actually. Yes. And I think, I don't think I got involved in that that fashion show, but I think I, I came to see it. And so I think we would met before, but I remember using you for a test shoot. Um, yes, right. That I just, yeah, I was working on that idea of, um, classic images or certain things like um, old-fashioned hairdos but trying to make them create them in a sort of modern way and especially yeah. with someone like a Southeast Asian face it would be just something quite different so I just wanted people to talk about images in my book so in my portfolio rather um, yes. so it was important that was um yeah, it was, gosh, it was such a long time ago. I know. A test shoot is basically when people, as you said, Nadir, it can experiment with an idea, but it's great because the test shoot in particular gives the model and the makeup artist and the photographer a piece of work to show in their portfolio. So it might not necessarily be used eventually in a publication or a magazine, but it's, yeah, I mean, I loved doing test shoots yeah. because I just work with so many different people. And you could also see people's creative side coming out as well, rather than having to work to like, you know, the fashion shoot spec or. Yeah, the, uh, what, the way I see test shoots was like, it's a way to um, showcase your creativity in a collaboration. And it's, you just need everyone to be on the same page. So there's, there's yeah. no point in having a model that doesn't get the concept because she's not really going to know what to bring to it so it's just something to get excited about it's uh I still do test now if I feel like sort of something's lacking or I feel like I need to shake things up a bit it's it's challenging it's a really important part of the process so sometimes I'll get together with a photographer choose models come up with the concept pretty much just produce the whole thing and then execute it. And it's it's great. It's lovely to keep having things that you think, 
oh, I can't wait to have that in my portfolio or on my website. Yeah, and I think it comes back to what you were saying before about sometimes you have to create those opportunities Mm. and actually just put something in motion. I think I'm a big fan of that. You know, instead of waiting, you know, even like 20 years later, you know, I'm you know, instead of waiting for people to, for example, ask me to be on their podcast, I just thought, you know what, sod it, I'm going to just set up my own. Yeah. Because I'm waiting for people to come back to me, whether I'm suitable for their podcast or I've had some interesting responses, actually. Right, you just have to create those opportunities um, and literally, yeah, test things out, isn't it? Like, Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I've been freelance most of my life. So for half of my life, and basically, I have to create those opportunities. I have to keep myself motivated. There's not a place that, of work that I go to every day. There's not, I'm not seeing the same people every day. I'm not governed by anything but myself and my, my motivation and my passion and dreams and hopes. So I'm constantly productive. And of course, you have your, you have your down days but it's sometimes those down days are good to just take a breath, relax, um, not focus on anything else um, creatively because the creative bit just keeps you up at night sometimes. Yeah. I used yeah, to actually. I used to keep a little notebook next to my bed so I could just jot stuff down and it's really helpful for that um because you know your mind just starts worrying and then it's just like oh yeah yeah, it can lead on to this and I'll ask this person that so um yeah I think as a freelancer that's actually taught me a lot of discipline where where people actually think they often say oh you work for yourself so you can choose your hours and you can just do what you want you can work if you want to (laughs) you can work if you want to are you kidding me I've still got bills to pay and a child Um, to feed it's it's a crazy concept that people have thought that freelancers just have this that you know we're just meandering through life just waiting for an opportunity to come up and we'll decide to say yes if we want to so it's like no I am literally creating these opportunities when I wanted to do um work for for newspapers and especially the supplements I really made that happen I made that opportunity happen to get into doing commercials and I proved myself because you get asked to come back again and again and again to work on various projects and then you get recommended to other people. So it doesn't come from nowhere. I know it's a real privilege to do the job that I do. I'm very grateful for it because I'm doing a job that I love, but no way on this planet would I ever say, that privilege comes from a place of anything being handed on a plate to me. Yeah, no, definitely. And I kind of, I, you know, I'd like to challenge you in a nice way, Nadira, about using the word privilege. Because obviously for some people, when they look at careers, like, you know, I can remember when people close to me used to look at what I was doing in fashion and music and they would just be like, oh, you know, it's not really a proper job and gosh you just get to do all these like really cool things and hang out with like loads of like famous people you know it, there's so much hard work behind it and that's where I think I challenge people when they do say that it's a privilege like in terms of the kind of work because people 
it is still a really hard job and I and I have to admit you know and I've been in senior HR roles for like over 15 years I think one of the hardest jobs I ever did was actually modeling because of the resilience that I yeah. needed that's what you were saying earlier on about rejection yeah and carrying your personal brand and having to be professional and again creating those opportunities um, making sure people are going to you know choose you again next time because of how you basically you know come across and what you bring but I think it's really interesting you know what you say but I think there's so much hard work that people just don't understand yeah I, I was trying to explain to someone the other day that you know I don't just rock up in a shoot and it all just ha- happens I read about <laughs> And you chat about, you know, your favourite eyeshadow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's absolutely, and it's not about me. But I I research so much. I don't turn up to a shoot and not know who I'm working with, you know. I'll research who the photographer is if I don't know them. I'll research the talent. Um, also, you can get an idea of, you know, there's sort of a certain etiquette um as there is like in, in lots of professions, but there's a, there's an etiquette. You don't want to, um, obviously you've got to bring personality to, to your work, but um, you still got to be very careful and respectful. Mm, low key in a way, isn't it? Because again, you know, it's the spotlight who, who's the main client at, in that moment, in that, yeah. on that shoe or that, assignment yeah so, I mean it's funny because I was remember I was t- t- the talent I was doing um the other day for a book cover we actually spoke about everything I was told not to talk about at college <laughs> <laughs> so religion sex uh politics race you know just and heavy heavy subjects but it was that was how we got to the point of him being comfortable for the shoot and that it helped the whole energy of the shoot because um, it just, you know, it can lighten something that can be quite stressful for the yes. talent. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it was just absolutely, I had a brilliant time. And also that's another thing, just um, bringing happiness um, to a shoot is just something that I really treasure now. I didn't, I, when I first started, I didn't really understand all of those little nuances about the energy I bring. Those are things mm-hmm. that I've had to really learn. Um, and I've learned the hard way. Trust me, I've walked away crying from a lot of shoots, and I'm sure you have too. Yeah. <laughs> um, done with you though. Don't worry. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> It's just that thing of now I also I, I know that I love my work probably more than I ever have done. For, Am for I I think because I I had a child and it wasn't the only thing in my life. You know, work was I was literally just, you know, pretty much working hard, playing hard, but work was the centre of everything. And once I had my son, it was like I didn't feel that pressure anymore mm. about work. I felt like, I don't know, it just became more enjoyable. Yeah. Hard to explain, but I feel like I could bring a much 
happier, sunnier energy to shoots. Um, and it's just really, I just, I don't know, I just really, really enjoy them far more. Yeah. Than I, I think it's because I've taken a lot of pressure off myself. I've just gone, actually, Nad, you've accomplished a lot. You've, look at you, you're a working mum. You are resilient. You are reliable. And people are asking you back, even in the toughest times. Um, people want you there. Yes. So... And it's been quite interesting, hasn't it? Because we're, we're having this conversation in October 2020. And obviously... It's been whoa, quite an interesting year for so like well, just everyone. Mm. You completely haven't been affected by your 2020 and COVID 19 and the pandemic and lockdown and everything that's still yet to come. So how has that been for obviously, you know, your industry? Because I was so happy to hear the other day that you were saying, Oh yeah, um, sorry, I can't do that day because I'll be focused on a job. And I was thinking that's so amazing that obviously jobs are now happening again in person because obviously there was a period when a lot of you guys in your industry just didn't know what was going on or when would you be able to do a kind of live in-person shoot again or yeah um I mean yes it wasn't until about mid-August that we were actually allowed to work mm. but I think what's happening is there is work out there but it's not at that consistent level that it used to be and it won't be because of all the there's a lot more liability on shoots now. We have, yeah. you know, temperature checks and making sure people are well. Um, that makes it very tricky in this industry. If someone, because if I get booked for me as an individual, so if I'm ill before a shoot, that just has this whole knock-on effect. Um, so that's where it's tricky. But I find that sometimes when there's been a, um, a government... Um, announcement you'll suddenly see and it, and it's 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 a, in a positive way it's you just suddenly see a surge of work coming through but the problem is everyone tends to want you on the same day so I'm currently <laughs> turning down as much work as I'm doing and is that because there's a pressure to suddenly get those yeah you know those deadlines sorted out because there might be like another government announcement or yeah that you know it's just just think about that that sort of everything's on a really still a week by week basis yes even though certain things are looming and they seem a bit further away they're still remember you know we're down here but up in the north of England I mean gosh if I was shooting up in the north of England it would be so tough I don't know how you'd get a schedule done um scheduling work and just make sure that everyone is well enough to to shoot or or do a production or or whatever it is so it's it's the logistical side is much much more different um also adapting to all the PPE is a whole other world in itself but but then again saying that I've benefited because I've been doing my online beauty sessions and they've that's worked out really well for me. So I've still got the, the variety in my work and I've still got, you know, I'm still busy. Um, so I'm just, I'm just 
quite grateful for what I do have. Um, yeah, yeah. You know. And I, yeah, it's when I did a talk um, the other day, which was actually you know the first live event I've done since March. Yeah, and it was amazing. someone asked. Um, that's it. They asked how how important is having a niche, and I. One of the panelists said, no, niche is really important. And I said, actually, I'd like to give a different perspective. For me, having a niche isn't important. Just knowing who your audience is, but your audience can actually be very diverse. And actually, you know, in times like this, where we've had to think creatively about our business offering and our services, how can we still continue to work and present things in a different way? Or as you said, you're delivering sessions online to your individual clients as well and doing brand consultations for brands and you know it's so important isn't it and how you know if you've got any advice for people who are in a maybe they're running their business or they're freelancing or they're in their profession or their day job and they hit a curveball like a curveball is just thrown at them yeah I, I think this still goes back to what you were saying about niche um things being niche I think at the end of the day no matter what you're doing and no matter whether there's a curveball or not I think it comes down to values it's knowing your core values knowing what you're about if you can sort of get grounded again and center on those it can give you a lot more perspective yes yeah that's so true isn't it I just think it's not about yeah, um, that you're known for doing the same thing all the time. There's, it's got to be more than that. It's got to, you know, or having a certain image. It's more than that. We have to, otherwise you're not going to get any variety or tap into, um, or like reach your audience, reach a, a nice broad audience. Um, so I think, yeah, value. So. You know, I always go back to my holistic approach to beauty because people have assumed that I'm this great beauty junkie, that I just love makeup and playing with it. And and I come from an art background, so to me it's like brushes and colour, great. But I also, it's, and then they're like, oh, surprised that I don't wear much makeup. And it's like, that's actually, not why I'm doing it. Yeah. No, it's so true. I've got a feeling that when I started working with you, I can't remember if it was you, but I'm wondering if it was, but one of the makeup artists always told me it's not actually about how much makeup you have and your the context of your the contents of your makeup, actually your brushes. Like you need to get some good brushes, Sunita. And that's when I then um invested in all of like my MAC makeup brushes. Okay. But you're so right, isn't it? It's about your tools sometimes and then like actually what can you do with those tools and obviously for different professions you'll have different tools yeah I mean the way the way I see it and I'm very particular about what I have in my kit and I test everything but I'm essentially when I go to work and in terms of doing a shoot I take my office with me that in my case is my office Um, plus my my case because it's a really expensive one is like a second child to me I'd be mortified if anything happened to it but it's just it's that's how I see it and I I see myself as I'm not just clowning around I'm not just playing it's not just just all fun I'm a business 
and I know what I can deliver on and I know what I believe in and mm. that's what you get known for. So again, yeah, going back to values, it's in terms of my holistic approach, it's looking good, feeling good. It's not just about the, of course, you want to achieve an, uh, a great image at the end of it if you're doing a photo shoot. So it's just how you get there is also important. You know, when you think about when you do art, when I did my art A-level and GCSE, there was, it was the preparatory pieces that were really important. Um, so preparing for something so that you um, get the best results that you can. No, I think that's a great tip, actually, just to, again, coming back to preparation. It's so important, is it, just for anything that we're working on? Yeah. And if, someone, um, if someone's quite shy about talking about their work or their business or their achievements, what, what do you recommend? Like, what can they try out if they're feeling quite shy? I think it's good to to ask other people what they what they think that your um, the positives and the um, the um, good things are about the your work, but also I think it's just oh gosh it's difficult because I used to be really shy um, and then it was all about I, I stupidly went into bravado mode <laughs> which doesn't really work if someone finds you out at the at the end of it but um, yeah I think it's well you've got to think about why you're doing this mm. and maybe think about how you would you feel comfortable it, getting to a place that you want to be what would the process look like sometimes visualization is really um important step um, yeah. to make and i think just like just what i was saying about when i was trying to work for the newspapers i i literally visualized that path and it really yeah. Yeah. it just gave me sort of direction i didn't um ask for any approval for anywhere it was just like my thought that's what I'm going to do and and focus I think focus is absolute key because you know we can all say I remember sitting at college um talking to my friend about what sort of work I want to do um and I didn't really have the focus then because I was just terrified of going into the industry it was very you know you can feel very inferior um, with people that look like they know what they're doing or people that do know, you know, people that you admire. Um, and also at that time, Adira, the industry wasn't as diverse. No. Like even who would have been working for, the people oh, who would have been diverse. So I can remember we, I think maybe that's why I was also so happy to like work with you and Gavin because you were also from like a different background. It wasn't even that you might have had South Asian connections. Yeah. Was, actually, I'm getting to work with pe you know people from different backgrounds here. This is really exciting. Yeah, because what you do find, or what I found, is back then it was the same sort of ilk of person. Yeah. And I don't know. It just yeah, it sort of seemed quite yeah, it was quite samey. So I know I wasn't booked 
for some reasons for for the color of my skin or my image or um or if i had too many dark skinned people in my book it was questioned yeah. but i was always determined to keep that in my book because i i used to say but it's skin it's skin yeah. <laughs> and i remember someone i have an image that i still keep in my portfolio and it, on my website and i remember because it's just literally from the lips down and you just see uh, a bit of skin through this um beautiful um sort of shirt but it's sort of patchy but you mainly see skin and lips and i remember someone some art director person just questioning me on it and it's just like i was just blown away by the stupidity and just feeling like i can't believe i'm having to justify something like that and yeah. and sadly um i'd say i'm probably it's in terms of who i work on skin wise it's still mainly caucasian skin mm. um sadly but um i think it's getting better the other day i did a really nice shoot and everyone was like tonally it was wonderful it's just like real really nice and also that's how you learn um, yes yeah you've got to learn but um yeah back in the 90s i remember i used to help out a model agency that was trying to be about diversity um, but literally it's like it never really got off the ground i can imagine the demand wasn't there and then remember that the world was about images of models then soon in the 90s towards the end of it it became about the celebrity yeah so then models just became a bit like you know models weren't doing the covers of magazines it was a celebrity. And then yes. you had all those other new magazines coming through, which no longer exist anymore. It's, you know, it's it's really changed the shape of the industry. Um, but I just, I think, you know what, it was the other day someone said to me about, do you know any um, photographers of colour? And I was like, oh my God, I don't know many at all and I think because the focus has been let's get more females let's work with more women yeah um we're still at the you know the women's rights bit it's like yeah. we really yeah. haven't moved forward that much and it's I like, not I, <laughs> yeah and I, I can't believe that Gender. I'm having this, these, these sorry alone, they're just about getting there with the gender piece let alone the whether yeah. it's a heritage, as I like so, to call it. So yeah. slow. <laughs> and I think, you know, and that's why I guess my heart literally warms when I see basically like a model or someone being featured from a different, you know, like ethnic background, like in a different ethnic background to me as well, because yeah back in the day it was just like completely different um, oh gosh when you think yeah. about advertising you know models yeah i was classed as one of the darker skin models i can remember can i tell you a fact i was up to do a dove commercial once to be in it <laughs> yeah i was yeah, picked oh they did a street 
casting found me in a cafe I was oh you know calm and talk to the directors blah 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 and it was like it was looking really good I was told I wasn't Asian looking enough and interestingly actually Nadira can you obviously people if they haven't um seen the photo of you on the episode oh yeah can you just explain your background because I know both of us were so proud of our yeah so my heritage is so my father is from Guyana in South America my mother from Trinidad in the Caribbean. We are of Indian descent. So this is post-slavery days yeah. when they still had to fill the plantations and work the yeah. land. They got people from China and India and I think still some parts of um, um, Africa as well. Um, but yeah, so that's my, it's, it's quite a nice mix and I love my skin. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and you've got, you know, that Caribbean connection as well. Yes. Massively, mm-hmm. with the, especially with the food. <laughs> oh yes, I know. Yeah, no, definitely. And no, I... Yeah. It's good to talk to you about that because I think, you know, I'm just so happy that people are talking about this more, like what it is actually like or what it was like to work in their industry. Um, when you when you walk into the room or you walk into the studio. Yeah, you know what? It's really... Looking like everyone else who's sitting yeah. there. And, <laughs> and the thing is, it's just like it's... I was very naive as well. Very naive. And there's probably a lot of situations that I never picked up on. Um but you know, I think also it just goes to show how um, backward some people can be in the industry, or the, the industry as a whole just has had this one way of working, and it's now having to question um, a lot of its behaviour. Um, yeah. Just I think you know how many times you had a makeup artist who didn't have the right shades in their kit, things like that. The lucky things, one of the lucky things meetups, definitely. Yeah. And I had to bring my own. Luckily I was being technically sponsored by Mac at at the time. Okay. And it was brilliant because yeah, I could bring the right shade of foundation with me to shoot. But in the early days, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. No one really told you how to be successful in your job when you were modeling. You just had to go out and do it. Yeah. And, I actually realised, no, I need to start bringing along my own foundation and, and my own powder. Um, yeah. So when, when I could work with people like you who, who who just had like the most amazing selections of makeup for different tones and different kinds of skin, it was just like, oh my gosh, it was like Christmas or Diwali. It was just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really nice. I mean, like, the thing is, I mean... You knew it was going to come out really well, and I wouldn't look look like really chalky and yes. <laughs> and I White think well. it's really important to remember that. I mean, I do understand that um, in terms of training and education, there are not enough um, people and communities uh, represented. There are certainly, especially in terms of say textured hair, there's not enough training and things like that. Mm. We did one one session on on black makeup and I was the model 
and it was just terrible. It was so, it was just so rigid and small-minded mm. um, and restrictive and just like with not any knowledge really. So, but the way I always saw my, my job as a makeup artist was if I go to a job and I don't have something, then that's a real big no-no. So if I don't have the right shades or something to adapt to, for someone's skin colour, I'm not doing my job. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not professional, is it? It's not, you're not equipped. Again, it's coming back to tools. Yeah. You do yeah. your job if you don't have the right tools. And you preparation, isn't it? It's just being, yeah, being prepared. I mean, that's the thing. You can only be prepared so much. And as you know, how things happened, things change at the last minute. So then as much as you're being prepared, you have to adapt as well and think on your feet, you know. Um, so, you know, you might have a vision in your head. So when I used to do those test shoots, you know, up to a point I'd know what I was doing but because you're in a creative process mistakes can happen things don't work out but if you if you are creatively minded you're going to be able to think outside the box a bit um, the shoot I did I think before you arrived on that test shoot in Primrose Hill um, was with a model where I really suddenly thought, oh God, I really, I want to use loads of individual lashes. And this is back in the time when they weren't being used as much. And then I thought, oh, it would be really good to just do, um, try and get longer lashes. And I just cut a bit of my hair off. Okay. And created uh, some individual lashes just to, to get, to finish off that piece. And it really, it's an image I still keep in my, on my website so it's still in my portfolio and it's like I'm really proud of that when I think of the ways I've just come up with solutions um and I love solutions I'm like that with my makeup sessions Brilliant. it's about solutions I'm not here to go I'm not here to be dictatorial and tell you what you should do and work to my aesthetic this is about you let's yes. find a solution if your brows if you're not happy with your brows and you want to keep them filled in, but you haven't found the right product. Let's, let's, my job is to research. Let's practice. Let's find out ways. Let's see if you, it's, it's something that you can use, something that you feel comfortable with, something that makes sense to your lifestyle and the time that you have. I really just don't like things being very complicated. <laughs> No, that sounds amazing. Oh, no, dear, we could just chat for so like much longer. And thank you so much because we've covered so many interesting things today. Oh, yeah, we have. That's been great. So where can people find out more about your work? Or obviously, like visually, I'm sure people want to check out your photo shoots and... Um, and actually tell people actually before we wrap up like tell people like some of the bigger names who you have worked with just so people get an idea because I really want people to get oh, an idea yeah um, well I've worked on people like Paloma Faith, Keely Hawes, yeah. Sienna Miller and A-list stars like Samuel L. Jackson um, and lots of people that I admire as well oh, brilliant um, yeah there's loads but yeah in terms of um seeing 
more about my work, it's uh, my website is nadiramakeup.com and my I have a Linktree link on my Instagram and my Instagram is Nadira and Nadira Makeup and Hair. So right. my Linktree takes you to all sorts of places. So about the book and my lessons and um, and my brand of consultancy work. Great. And if people are interested in looking at the book, where's the best place to check it out online? Um, I, I very much about supporting small businesses. So it is sold at the major bookstores and online, but I would direct people to Organa beautyandwellbeing.com because it's all about conscious beauty and it's a small British business great oh thank you so much Nadira pleasure thank, thank you. you for having me you're welcome and thanks for also listening to the All Lucky Things podcast I said you were yes. tuning in as well so thank you so much for having a listen that's a pleasure that was great Doing really well. It's lovely hearing your voice. It's so soothing. Oh, right. Same to you. Take care, Nadira. And you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode with Nadira. I hope you enjoyed it. Please stay tuned for more episodes for the Lucky Things podcast. There are many more on their way. And look back at the previous episodes too. There are so many out there to help us all look after our confidence careers and well-being whoever we are and whatever we're focusing on right now if you've listening to this on itunes then pretty please leave a rating and a review it makes the world of difference to us podcasters who are sharing our content for free and also please subscribe as well to future episodes If you're interested in hearing more about Lucky Things, whether it's the online events or my coaching services or the work that I do with different corporates and teams in the workplace, then please get in touch at sunita at luckythings.co.uk or you can check out the luckythings.store website and you can follow or check out what's going on on different social media channels at Lucky Things blog. Wishing you a good day, evening, week ahead and let's keep looking after ourselves, especially when we are all dealing with unusual times. Take care everybody and thanks again for tuning in. Bye. Also a quick shout out to Richie Pitch who produced the Lucky Things podcast theme tune. Some of you may have also heard this at at the start of the Lucky Things Meetup events online or some of my online masterclasses. But thank you to Richie for pulling together such an amazing, upbeat tune for us to listen to. You can check out Richie's work at Richie Pitch online. And he's also the author of the book, Making Beat.